0: Welcome to a joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au But it's all been happening up in Queensland and joining us for D, I want you to do an intro here. <laughs> first...
1: <laughs> How's that, Richard? Foster it just report. gets better every week. Yeah. It gets better, <laughs> doesn't it, Dee? It's going really well.
2: We're actually in the middle of producing one, but I almost don't want it anymore. I think that it's time no. to, uh, you know... What's happening in... What's, so, Queensland election, massive news.
1: Yeah. Why do we yeah, care? We'll <laughs> That's a very good question. A little bit of action up there in Queensland. Why do we care? Well, this is the first state election since the emergence of COVID-19. So this was essentially the first test of a state premier and a state government of their response to the pandemic. We've, we've had a couple of territory elections, but this is the first time a large population has really had a say on whether the government has done OK or not. So that's why I'd say it's important. Governments around the country and oppositions around the country are now going to be pulling this one apart to see what went well and, and what didn't, depending on what side of the fence you sit on.
0: Richard, did was there a, um, I mean, I'm sure there was a campaign, but did did, was, did they campaign on certain things or did COVID, was it just a vote on COVID and their
1: reaction to COVID? Well, good question. No, it wasn't just a vote on COVID. It was, it was very much a tale of two states in Queensland. You had the far north Queensland seats, um, especially around Townsville and Cairns, where the opposition was campaigning really hard on local crime, especially youth crime. Numerous problems in uh, in those areas in that regard, and that's where the opposition was looking to hit the government. Elsewhere in the state, yeah, it was largely around... COVID. Obviously, local issues do, you know, come and go, but uh, by and large, it was more around the state's c- response to the coronavirus and especially the border closure with New South Wales. Uh, What we saw on the weekend was vindication for Anastasia Palaszczuk and her Mm. government really keeping um, a hard line on the border closure and resisting calls from uh, the southern states and especially from Canberra to reopen early.
2: How's the way that um, Berejiklian's been all, I'll see how I feel about letting everybody into New South Wales. And we're like, mate, I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs) Victoria feels so pure now.
1: I do remember um, a comment from Dan Andrews earlier on uh, in the lockdown when um, South Australia first closed its border to Victoria Mm. and uh, the South Australian Premier, uh, Stephen Marshall, came out quite blustery saying that uh, with uh, Victoria's explosion in case numbers, he was closing the border to Victoria. And Daniel Andrews responded later in the day uh, with a presser on his own, donning his North Face jacket and saying, Mm. well, why would you want to go to South Australia anyway?
0: Mm. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) state pride. Hashtag go, Dan. Can can we conclude, Richard, that uh, pandemic conditions therefore favour incumbents from this election result?
1: I think you've made a pretty safe call there, Warren. Mm. A pretty safe call. So far, so good uh, for uh, for tough coronavirus measures. Um, And again, look, this was... The litmus test and the queensland government has passed the litmus test canberra's got to be watching this one pretty closely i mean mm-hmm. there, there are some local eccentricities if you like that that happen in queensland there are a couple of seats that fall outside that basket of normality which you might exclude from those lessons but by and large this was the population saying yep you're doing all right um stay the course What about One Nation? How did they go? (laughs) What about One Nation? (laughs) That's what Queensland (laughs) said. What about One Nation? uh, You're absolutely right. It was a complete no-show from One (laughs) One Nation. They retained their sole seat in the parliament. Um, But but where did their votes
2: go? That's that's what Mm. I'm keen to know. Did it all go to. It seems odd that that votes from One Nation would go to Labor, but they didn't swing back to the right, did they? They didn't go
1: Liberal. No, they, they definitely did go back to Labor, and you know pe- people bring this up as you know oh it's a little bit odd that it, that um, sometimes One Nation votes do go back to Labor, and we have we saw it in New South Wales once too. Um, but when you when you think of it, what people do forget is that a lot of votes it wasn't just from the Liberal Party that um, One Nation hived off some votes; it was actually from Labor as well, especially a lot of blue collar workers that were dissatisfied with some of um, Labor's more left leaning policies. They were moving over to One Nation, so it looks like this time though they have come back to Labor.
0: So Scott Morrison he's been quite adamant that you know the borders should open do you reckon would he be sitting back now and going oh look I'm not too happy with this result not only because it was a Labor government but does it reflect on you know a pushback on what he
1: was saying? It depends what way you cut this Warren. Um, Look uh, try to maintain my independence as best I can. What I'd be saying is that State and territory voters do tend to vote on different issues to what what they do when they vote federally. And this was seen through the Howard era. I mean, this isn't the first time that we've seen a majority of state governments and a fairly, you know, confidently polling federal government of a different persuasion. So, during the Howard era, um, we had a majority of state governments over that, that time. But Howard was never deeply unpopular. His government mm. was always fairly safe It mm. um, always had a strong majority and, indeed, once had the majority in the Senate as well. So, it, it just goes to show um, I think we see we could be seeing a bit of that here as well, uh, voters are responding really well to state governments um, uh, acting to protect their states, um, responding well to COVID nineteen, putting in appropriate measures and, and doing what they believe they should be doing. Well, However, they like on. the federal government and their economic control. They mm-hmm. like the the way they're managing the economy. They like the way they're managing foreign affairs. They like the way they're managing. You know. Um, uh, perhaps the external political instability and things like that. So they do tend to vote on different issues. If I was Scott Morrison, I wouldn't be running scared just yet, but you would have to watch pretty closely. Basically, you don't want to alienate state premiers too much at the moment, given that they're all pretty popular. Mm. This is
2: also a pretty good time to solidify the difference between state-based politics and federal politics. It really does highlight the difference between the roles of the state, particularly insofar as, um, you know, it's... Well, apart from the whole fact that the, federal, the feds are meant to be looking after, you know, health, um, it is uh, interesting to see state, like we haven't really focused on state leadership in this way before, Not in my not that I recall.
1: Yeah, you're, well, probably not. Well, I'd say not for a hell of a long time. No, no, you're quite right. I mean, it is. You know, they say it's unprecedented circumstances for a reason. I mean, we, you know, we don't see this sort of thing all that often. Um, we saw a bit of focus on state leadership back in the '90s when you know we we had issues of recession and things that mm. state governments needed to have clear responses to before and my time. And the dial. public was calling for that.
2: Mm. <laughs> 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 but the thing that worries me, because Warren makes a very good point, of course, during the time of pandemic, but but more broadly during any time of global or national conflict or upset or, you know, war or recession or anything, people do gravitate towards the incumbent because they mm. just go with what you know. The thing that frightens mm. me about this, of course, is Trump. Does it uh, translate yeah. to America?
1: Um, yeah, I, I gave that some thought myself. And um, look, when, you, when you're in opposition, you know, you what you need to remember, what oppositions, you know, tend to know is that, look, winning an election against a government, especially a popular government, invariably relies on building a narrative against the incumbents and and really drumming up a strong sentiment in the community for change. Now, in Queensland, the LNP just hadn't been able to generate that sort of thing. Already, though, the LNP in Queensland, and you will find it with other oppositions around the country as they they lose elections, they will be blaming the pandemic for the result Mm. and how it leaves opposition leaders without oxygen during a campaign. Mm. There is some truth in that. But as you're pointing out, I think, Dee, this theory is about to be tested again with the US election tomorrow, their time. Mm. If there is an argument that oppositions can't win during a pandemic, but Biden goes on to win... Well, it'll put that theory out of business.
2: Because well, we're also talking about an electoral system where you can not win the the college but win the popular vote. So, I mean, it's all mm. just a deck of cards.
1: Yeah, it's... it's Well, it's it's not entirely... I mean, it, it is certainly a, a system that's structured very differently to ours, but we can see similar effects over here. I mean, we, we have had um, oppositions win a majority of the vote before and not go on to form government.
2: Oh, yeah, true so. That
1: yeah um uh, you know I've looked Kim Beasley Springs mind, the only the only opposition leader to um, to win an election and not become prime minister you know it, it can happen. Richard, just before we run out of time,
0: local government, what's happening with the city of Melbourne?
1: Ah, okay. So, look, the city of Melbourne's become a bit of an interesting challenge. Um, look, I'm going to pick Sally Cap as uh, as hanging on here. Um, Aaron Woods, uh, interestingly, has polled really low in his primary vote, under 20. percent um, Was the he the former? Flows, was he? Sorry, go on. Was he her former deputy? Yeah, former Deputy Lord Mayor to Sally. It's no secret that, uh, that the two didn't get along mm. um, and Wood was running against her. No secret now. To the town hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and has polled um, on primary votes, has polled pretty poorly as a result. However, he does have very strong preference flows um, and those preferences are still being allocated. However, um, look, it, it's close, but I'm going to pick Sally as hanging on. I'm guessing she hasn't preferenced him. <laughs> I think you would guess pretty safely <laughs> right. there, dude.
2: I love our chats, Richard, always do. Likewise. Keep it interesting. Thanks, Richard.
0: Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, JOY 94.9. For more podcasts or to support JOY by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to JOY.org.au. Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, JOY.